This is Unsociable Game, a podcast about concussion and community football. I'm Ben Roden. Last week, we looked at the experience and sensation of a knock to the head on a footy oval, with Sam Fleming, Will Stubbings and myself all recounting our experiences. But what happens when those symptoms just don't disappear, but linger? What happens when two to three days of headaches turn into two to three weeks of recurring symptoms. I just didn't want any light to come in because it was really difficult to look at any sort of, have any light on me or look at any sort of moving images. Like I I wouldn't have the TV or anything like that. When Sam was hit in the grand final and started dealing with his symptoms, he faced a number of situations that were different from the norm for him, including sleep. On the Monday, I think I slept, which is, I don't know if you meant to or not, but I slept from, you know, I went to bed that the Sunday night at eight o'clock and woke up at 10 a.m., and then went back to bed at 1 and woke up at 7 and then went back to bed at 10. And sometimes there were unexpected occurrences in parts of the body that Sam previously didn't think could occur. Interestingly about mine is that on a lot of occasions I've been hit sort of on the right side of my head. I've had a lot of sort of follow-up issues with the left side of my body, which has been, it's actually been quite interesting. So, you know, my first run back after a concussion when I've been hit on the right side of my head, I'd get quite tight in my hamstring and calf on my left leg, no matter how much I stretched. And that's been the common, that's been common through the last few, particularly because it's all happened around that side of my head. While sometimes a super heavy knock like Sam's might take a few weeks to resolve, there are other cases, especially at the elite level, with players like Meg Downey, Kobe Stevens, and Angus Brayshaw sometimes taking several months before being allowed to return to play, with others like Brisbane's Justin Clark ultimately having to retire. Professor John Olver of the Epworth Rehabilitation Clinic says that it is impossible to know how long a patient's symptoms take to resolve based solely on its presentation. It's again very difficult uh, when you first see a patient, you actually don't know uh, how long their concussion is going to, the symptoms are going to take to resolve. And the, the scans that help us judge the severity of injury in more severe traumatic brain injury are all normal usually, so you don't get any clue from that. Professor Olver's description of the follow-up process made me wonder about the footballers who self-monitor their injury. I had five concussions between 2012 and 2017, each triggered by varying things. Sometimes these episodes were delayed, as in, I'd play out a game with no symptoms, then start feeling dizzy in the game's aftermath, with fluctuating concentration levels throughout the working week. I never saw a doctor for these symptoms until after I got knocked out. In one game, a semi-final, I got hit in the head twice, both in the same quarter. I drove home dizzy and heady, and I couldn't concentrate for the following week. At training, I fell to drift, and to be honest, I left it until the following Sunday, only hours before a preliminary final, to work out if I was okay to play. I was, barely. For Will Stubbings, despite only having two concussions in his playing career, the second time was significantly worse than the first. So the second time I was had a concussion, uh, in total I think I missed about a month of football. It wasn't so much it wasn't so much any sort of pain. It was just a sort of sense that I wasn't right. Like I did, I couldn't think clearly. I think I'd suffered a bit of whiplash as well. So my neck was, was quite sore. And the muscles in my neck were tensing up. That was giving me headaches. It was also affecting my vision. Then it started intruding on his work life, which is also something that happened to me. I went back to work um, on the Monday, tried to work through Monday, Tuesday, found that I couldn't concentrate. Normally I try to be as productive as I can. I try to get a lot done. And I found myself just staring at the computer. Um, couldn't read or couldn't continuously read documents or anything like that. So I went to the doctor on uh, Wednesday and took the rest of the week off. Um, and again, I'm not sure if that was related to the cu- concussion or related to the whiplash or... Yeah, I, I guess I'm not 100% sure. And it, I wasn't 
good for about almost three weeks, I'd say. And then I let myself have another week just to make sure that I was okay. And I do remember that first training session going, I'm still not 100% right here. Like I'm still a little bit blurry when the ball's coming to me. When I put in a couple of long efforts, I could feel a bit of pain in the back of my neck. So I remember, I think I cut that first tr- first training session short. I've wondered sometimes about the toll that this takes on the mind when your body just can't do the things that you want it to and you have nothing to do but wait for it to get better, not knowing when that will happen. Professor Olver, for his part, believes there's often an unforeseen psychological factor to consider with concussion symptoms. There's always, with symptoms, the symptoms from the original injury and then the psychological reaction that they have for months after. And some of the people that don't do as well, that psychological reaction can actually continue to to enhance the symptoms as time goes on, whereas other people that don't have as much of a reaction, their symptoms can get better a lot more quickly. So it's not just the injury, it's the, it's the person, it's their pre-morbid history and it's how they've coped with the symptoms and how the symptoms have changed their lifestyle. So that adds another thing that makes it difficult to predict on the initial assessment how people are going to go. It's been three weeks since I got hit in the head, as I described in the first episode, and I'm still not back to my normal self. I still hadn't progressed beyond straight line running and exercise that didn't involve multiple changes of direction. I felt okay doing this stuff, but as soon as I added a bit of cognitive difficulty, I couldn't really cope. I felt trapped and limited by my body. It was frightening, to say the least. Next time, we look at a big decision. Do you keep playing football despite the risk of ongoing damage? This is Unsociable Game, a podcast about community footy and concussion. I'm Ben Roden, and thanks for listening.